0: So, this morning, I, I want to share our Easter message. We'll never, we'll never forget these days. We'll never forget these days. You know, one of the things, as people drove by our house to say hi to us, just to, staying in their cars, they were throwing Easter eggs. But they also threw rolls of toilet paper. <laughs> I said, well, and somebody else said, maybe I should throw you some money. I said, well, my goodness, the toilet paper, I think, might be worth more than the money right now. Um, but they threw out toilet paper, and somebody had verses on the toilet paper that we had to unscramble. And my kids had fun with that, putting numbers one to nine, and they, there was there was a verse written on the front of each toilet paper paper on the outer wrapping, and uh, and so my, my daughter she sat down and we took a picture with her the rolls in front of her, and it's funny because years and years and years from now she will look back at the picture, and I, and my wife and I were talking about how that picture speak so clearly of the season that we're living right now. My daughter's sitting on their front lawn with the rolls of toilet paper in front of her. Her kids someday are going to go, what in the world were you doing? And my daughter's going to be able to tell a story. Oh, yeah, let me tell you about a season that we all lived through. And you know what? We're going to make it through too. And this morning, though, I want to ask you, have you, ever, have you ever thought about the power, the power of one power of one now if you're a golfer comment online please and when i say golfer that means that you pay money to a park system or a private course to go use their equipment they there to drive around on the cart and you have a set of clubs that you swing at a little white ball that does not mean you have to be good at it um, i like to pay money and i enjoy the scenery I enjoy everything from the trees on the left side to the water on the right side when I'm golfing. If you're not a golfer, you're, you're not laughing. If you are a golfer, you are laughing. Why do I feel like right now Chad Pittenger is commenting something on YouTube or Facebook about my golf game? Um, uh, yeah, yeah, or my brother-in-law. I just, I just have a feeling. People that have golfed with me know I like to see the whole course. But golfers have a saying, and their saying is this. One shot can keep you coming back. That's the saying. If you're a golfer and you've ever used that saying or heard that saying, go ahead and comment. If you're a golfer, you know that you probably have said or used or heard, one shot keeps you coming back. That means that, man, you could be swinging that club. The driver could be. I mean, you're hitting golf balls all over the place. You're hitting underneath the ball up. You're hitting on top of the ball and it's rolling up there. You can't find the golf ball. You you know you you, pull, you paid more for the sleeves of golf balls that you bought than you did to actually go out and play the round. Can I get an amen from anybody out there? But one shot, though, you hit one shot, just like that picture on your screen, the ball's close to the cut. one shot, and you're going, man, I can do this, and I'm coming back next week. Or basketball. I like sports, so pardon the sports analogies. So I give a Give a shout out to some of the guys I play in basketball with, Brother Kevin, Brother Jamel, Brother Tim, Brother Chris. We we try to get together and play basketball. We're missing basketball right now. I know that they're missing it. I'm missing it. But if you ever played basketball, and those guys know me because I'm a thinker, I overanalyze things. So once I start missing my shot, I get analytical. And once you get analytical, you're in trouble. You, you, you can't. You can't do that. But that's why when you see like these superstars, if they get to the free throw line, if they just hit one shot and make a free throw, that can open up the floodgates for them because shooters shoot. You just shoot till you're hot. And so, but but the thing is, is sometimes just watching that ball go through the net, just one shot can change the rest of your night playing basketball. Power of one. How many of you had one teacher in school who believed in you? Maybe it was in kindergarten, 6th grade, 12th grade. There was just, I wonder, maybe, again, if you're watching, we love interaction here. If you're, if you're unfamiliar with Pentecostals, man, we are not silent in church, okay? We're like, woo, praise God, amen. I don't take, we don't take that, we don't take that offensively. So come on, interact with me. If you have a teacher that you remember, go ahead, post the teacher's name. If you're connected to him, tag him. Let them know that they had an impact in your life. You know, you could say, graduated from... You know, I, I know I was blessed. I was in a tiny private school, but I got to be valedictorian. And my valedictorian speech, I gave a shout-out to Brother Marshall Newble. He was a teacher of mine in high school, Parkway Christian Academy. Graduated in 1999. But, so go ahead and throw that on there. Tag a teacher. Put somebody's name on there. A teacher that, that one teacher made a difference in your life. That something they said, that the way they interacted with you, the way they believed in you. How about... One word of encouragement. You ever been down before? You ever been frustrated? You ever been sad, disappointed, discouraged? And someone comes along, just puts a hand on your shoulder and says, hey, you're going to make it. You're going you're gonna to be okay. I believe in you. There's, there's really not many things more powerful than to have someone who really, truly believes in you. And it gives you a word of encouragement when you need it. The flip side how about one word of criticism maybe it's a parent always critical of their child what are you gonna do you're never gonna be good at anything how you don't listen to what I have to say it can be it can be pretty discouraging to be criticized all the time when someone is constantly berating you and telling you what you're doing wrong what you could do better how you don't listen how you are you never gonna get it Maybe you've worked with someone, had a boss. Maybe your parent was or is like that. And it gets very discouraging to have one person who's always criticizing. But even in spite of our challenges right now, guess what? We're still one nation under God. I'm thankful that it's not arrogant, but I really truly believe we are a part of the greatest country in the entire world in the United States of America. I'm thankful Thankful to God that I was born in this country and I am a part of one nation under God. Or how about the power of one vote of who will lead that nation? Notice I picked a ballot. I did not pick a president. I I, I ain't trying to get in all that. I might have put up ex-presidents, you know, President Bush or Obama. Or now this year they're saying it's looking at like Biden and Trump and all this. I'm not trying to tell you who to vote for. So I just put that picture nice and safe. It's a nice ballot. It's a blank ballot. But uh, one vote on who will lead that nation. Or how about this? Oh, we're all looking for the right one on who we will spend our lives with. The right one. Look at that romantic picture. Or how about this? One pillow. You might say, oh, what in the world? That don't mean nothing. Go to sleep tonight. I hope you're not already napping. If you're watching this in bed, come on, get out of bed. I mean, my word, it's Easter Sunday morning. But try and go to sleep tonight without a pillow. Throw the pillows out the bed and just lay. now you're tired enough, you'll still go to sleep, but you'll wake up. That pillow is a beautiful thing, especially if you got the right one. How about one child? <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. Wrong picture. Hang on. Go to the next one. That, uh, that's what I meant. One child. One child will change your life. That's for all the people who have not yet had children. Go back to the last picture. That's who, for who our parents, and we already know the true story. Okay? So one child will change everything. How about this? One cup of coffee. I don't understand this. I don't drink coffee. The stuff smells great when it's ground up. It smells horrible on people's breath. But people can't live without it. It's like oh, I need my coffee. I need my coffee. I'm like, I, I. It's literally. I've learned in my life, in my world, you just don't talk to my wife till she's had her coffee. Like, let her have her coffee. I'm like, kids, get away. Mom hasn't had her coffee. And then now, mom had her coffee. Hey, how's it going, honey? You know, we can have a. Civil conversation. One cup of coffee can make all the difference from some people. How about one foot or one hand? Not everybody has been blessed with every limb, every body part. Imagine trying to tie your shoes with one hand. Man, that's something that would be a learned trait. The power of one or one diagnosis, your life can be coasting, everything is fine, you have dreams and plans for the future, I mean like, it's there, and then all of a sudden, you get a call that says, hey, Dr. So-and-so would like to see you, we found something on your scan, or, we found something in your blood work and you come back in and sit down as a family and you can tell something's not right and one diagnosis changes your entire life. How about one bullet? The power of one. One bullet can take a life. One bullet can change really hundreds of lives with protection or loss Or murder. One bullet can do a lot of different things. How about one gas station? Hey. If you're watching from around the world, you don't know what this is. This is a a part of heaven around Kansas City. I've learned. QT. I actually teased some of my friends. We were in Wisconsin where I was born and raised, and they said, I wish you all had a quick trip around here. And I said, we do have a quick trip. And I pulled into a gas station, and Wisconsin has quick trips spelled K-W-I-K, not Q-T. And they are not, let me tell you, they are not QTs. It's worse than an average gas station, okay? If you're watching and you own a, a quick trip in Wisconsin, my apologies to you. But QT, you need gas anyway, right? Your gas tank is on E, And you're looking around. You ever been there before? I know nobody is procrastinators watching online. None of you ever let your tanks get below a quarter tank. I know that. I'm I'm positive of that because we have people that are prepared visionaries. But talking to those random strangers out there that sometimes let their gas. You see that gas and the red light comes on or the yellow light comes on. You say, well, no, you got it down to a T. I actually have 43.4 miles before my gas runs out. And, and sometimes you cut it close, and all of a sudden, uh, the gas station's closed, and oh my goodness, what am I going to do? And all of a sudden, that light's been on longer than you're accustomed to, and your palms are sweaty, and your blood pressure's rising, your heart is racing, and you're wondering if you're going to make it to a gas station. And then you see one, oh, the power of one gas pump. But you've also been not only waiting to get gas, but you've also been waiting to use the restroom at the gas station. There's power in one toilet oh hallelujah you can say oh that's so disgusting and vulgar please come on you have been there where you have had to use the restroom so bad and you run in and you see that toilet and you think you just made it to heaven oh god thank you for this toilet but it's a gas station toilet you need to go bad enough you're going to use that gas station toilet how about, oh, the power of missing just, just one stare. I just missed a stair. Just one, just one, the power of one. Just missed one stair. that's it. Heads up. How about the power of one virus? I mean, it literally shut down the whole world. The power of one what I want to talk to you about this morning. Jesus, thank you so much for every person who has tuned in today. I'm so grateful for them, uh, every man, woman, and child. God, I just pray that your word would minister, that the thoughts that you've laid on my heart would really come to life in every home, on every device. God, I just pray that you'd have your way as we remember everything that you have done for us, that we celebrate this weekend. Jesus' name. There's so much power in just one. Not only in our everyday life, but also in Bible times. Think about it. Without day one, there is no heaven and earth. Adam and Eve had just one rule. Don't eat from the tree, just one. Instead, one sin changed the whole world. Noah built one boat and brought salvation to his family. One burning bush changed Moses' life and therefore the entire nation of Israel. One haircut. Some of the guys are watching online, going, "Oh Lord, don't even go there." Okay, this is this is bad, bad news. Thank God, somewhere along the line I learned to cut my own. I'm glad we're on social media. I'm far away; you can't see where there's the gouges and the nicks, so I, I, I look better from far away. But at least, I, at least it's not down here, right? But one haircut, though, with Samson, it's changed everything. David killed one giant. With one smooth stone. But then he watched one woman take one bath. And it changed his entire family's future. Destroyed the future of another family. But when we go to the New Testament. And one man comes on the scene. In one sinful world. His name was Jesus. And he lived one life. And he was taken and placed on one cross. Buried in one tomb. And one weekend changed everything in history. The power of one. In the New Testament book of Luke, the master himself emphasized one. Luke 15, he says, tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus, Luke writes. And he says, this made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people. He was even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story: If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, that leaves how many? Math scholars, ninety-nine. You, you're very good. One of them gets lost. What will he do? Won't he leave the ninety-nine others in the wilderness and go looking for the one till he finds it? And when he found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. Imagine finding this lost sheep. The shepherd's got the sheep on his shoulders coming home, and this guy's just pumped. Whoa! I found the lost sheep. And when he arrives, he'll call his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. And he says, in that same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God over 99 others of righteous who have not stayed away. I'm sorry. So that says, God is saying, hey, let me tell you a story about one who repents and comes back home the power of one. Then in that same chapter, very next verse, or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and she loses one. That leaves how many? Mass scholars, nine. Excellent job. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house? Search carefully until she finds it. When she finds it, she'll call in her friends and her neighbors and say, rejoice with me. I have found my coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. And then that 15th chapter ends by Luke telling a story that Jesus told the story, Luke records it, about a a man. It's a story that becomes known as the prodigal son when one of those sons leaves home, takes in his, his inheritance, he completely wastes it. But then he finally comes to his senses and he comes back home. But we read in that story about the power of one father to one son. And so in just one chapter, We read constantly about the value of one. One sheep was lost. One coin was lost. One son was lost. And Jesus emphatically states, hey, but I'll tell you, when one comes home, when one repents, when one returns not only me, but all my angels in heaven. Can you imagine that? That if you're watching this right now, and you've never completely committed your life to God, if you've never repented of your sins, that if you, at the end of this message, just were begin to, to raise your hands, or kneel down, or just begin to say, God, I'm sorry. You don't have to read a card. You don't have to read my words. Out of the, the, the genuine spirit of your heart, you could say, God, I am sorry. I'm sorry for my sins. I'm sorry for the life I've been living. In the prodigal son in the father embraces his son, and when he returns home, his son says, "Dad, I'm not worried to be here. Just let me be a servant." His dad says, "Ain't no way! Kill the fatted calf. We're having a party. My son was lost, and he's home." If you're watching and you're saying, "Well, I just don't know," when you repent, the power of one, all of heaven. Can you just imagine this party? They're not social distancing in heaven, okay? Can you imagine this party that they have when one sinner repents? the power of one But then you back up to the fifth chapter of Luke, and you see the same concept. Luke 5, 12, in one of the villages, Jesus met a man with an advanced case of leprosy. Everyone else stays away from him. Unclean, unclean, stay away. He's going to get you a disease. And Jesus, he bowed his face to the ground, and he approaches Jesus, and he says, if you're willing, you can heal me. You can make me clean. Jesus reached out and touched him and said, I am willing. And he said, be healed instantly. The leprosy changed. It disappeared. But then it doesn't end there. Jesus instructed him not to tell anyone what had happened. But he said, go tell the priest. Let the priest examine. That was, the, that was the, the, the law of that day. And despite Jesus' instructions, verse 15, the report of his power spread even faster. And vast crowds came to see and to hear him preach. This is the story of Jesus healing one leper in one village and we see Jesus making time to pay attention to one man that most of society deemed worthless. And the one miracle though, caused the multitudes to follow him. The multitudes came around him. There's a precedent here. When we make time to let one person know how much they mean, the multitudes will take notice. When we as the children of God will understand the power of one. Society may deem that person worthless, unworthy. Why are you spending time with them? But when we see the value of one, that's when the masses take notice. An entire nation of Samaria was introduced to Jesus by, by one witness of one woman. In John 4, Jesus stops and begins talking to a woman who was living in sin, and he starts to discuss her sin with her. His disciples had gone to get food, and they come back and they say, why are you talking to that woman? But he understood that when he spent time with that woman, and he invested, he saw something in that one woman. And when his disciples under come back, look at John 4, 27. They came back, and they were shocked to find him talking to her. And what do you want to talk, what do you want to, talk to her for? But look at the result of talking to one woman. The woman left her water jar b- beside the well and ran back to the village, and she told everyone about her interaction with Jesus. She said, come and see the man who told me everything I did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming to the village. Oh, in churches, we want people to stream to our buildings. And we want people to stream to our live stream and people to come and, and we want God just bring us revival and do all this stuff. I believe that some of the key when that's gonna happen is when we as the church of God understand the, ba- the value, the power of one. The multitudes didn't come until Jesus stopped for the one worthless, so to speak, leprous man. The one worthless lady who had a ton of sin in her life, but no, he didn't see—he didn't see worthlessness like we do. Jesus saw the value and the power in every one life. Don't expect your influence to expand to the masses when you don't understand the value of one. And finally, the disciples got it too. Peter and John were willing to stop for one lame man in Acts three, and it opened up the door for greater revival in Jerusalem, it can be overwhelming to a believer to think about trying to offer hope to an entire world. It seems so big and so impossible and so overwhelming. There are more than 7 billion people in our world. We can't reach all of them. That just Millions are just in our own state here. But if we could stop for a minute, wherever you are, wherever you're watching, wherever you're listening, and just stop. It doesn't matter the population of your town, if it's 420 or if it's 4.2 million. No matter what what if you can just stop and say but what if I could just stop thinking about the entire population and just start to think about one look at one person in the eye and aim to have at least one crucial conversation this week well we're, we can't even go out and talk to people come on now you can still when you check out say are you doing all right I, I know things are crazy right now how are you are you okay are you handling this all right and watch what the way you interact with someone or maybe you can call Call someone, not even see them face-to-face. Aim to have at least one crucial conversation. Teach an online Bible study to at least one person. Take time to call and check on one person. Intercede in prayer for one family member. Not, don't, oh 7 billion or or there's 36,000 in liberty or whatever. No, 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 just stop. What about one, just one person? power of one, you want to talk about God emphasizing the power of one, look at Ephesians 4, for there is one body and one spirit, just as you've been called the one glorious hope for the future, there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and and living through, through all, if you have never had the one name, this scripture says, it's emphasizing the oneness of God, Jesus Christ is God manifest in flesh, and so when it says one Lord, one faith, one baptism, you look today and you say, "Well, hang on a second here. I, I, I look at society. Look at look at society. They, they, they've they've they've." Changed everything. And, and, and you got some people that will say, well, you need to be baptized in Jesus' name. And others say, no, it's the titles Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And other people say, no, you need to be in a, you get baptized as an infant. And someone says, no, you need to be an adult. And, and someone says, you know what, you got uh, to be you know, baptized in, in the name of Jesus. And, and, and there's all these arguments back and forth about how baptism, and some people say, no, you sprinkle water. And others, no, you go under the water. And, and so, what does the Bible say if there's one baptism? If there's one baptism, then we say, well, well, let's look through scripture and let's look and see Jesus commissioned these these uh, disciples and he empowered them and spent time with them and he sent them out and he said, go make disciples, go, greater things than what I've done, you're going to do. So he, he empowered them. So what did they do when you look at Acts, when you look through the book? And how did they baptize people? Well, guess what? Even Jesus himself, it says Matthew three sixteen, he came straightway up out of the water. That tells me nobody sprinkled water on Jesus' head. He, the, the Bible says John the Baptist baptized in a place where there was much water. Why would scripture include that important piece of information if, if all you needed was a cup? Because that in order to be baptized the biblical way, the way they did it, the, the root word of the Greek word baptism actually means to immerse in, in down, a downward plunge, to immerse in a processing liquid, a sharp downward course. That shows me to, that that's, uh, hey, baptism, according to Scripture, was be placed under the water, that the water would cover you. You were buried in that water. And I don't want to be baptized in any name other than the name of the one who died on that cross for me and paid the price. You don't want to call don't don't call over Savior or Father or Son. or No, no, no. I want to hear the name of Jesus. I want to hear someone say Jesus means God has become our salvation. So when I get baptized, I want to be baptized in the name of Jesus. And so this morning, it's it's great. It's Easter Sunday. You know what? I, I guarantee you, you want to drive yourself over to this church i will have gloves on my hands a mask on my mouth and i'll you know what i'll tell the authorities this is the most essential thing we're going to probably do this week we have clean warm water we you can just knock on those doors we'll get you in here we will baptize you in the name of jesus christ for the remission of your sins that's why he died on that cross that's why he did that So if you've never been filled with the Spirit, He'll put His Spirit in you. You've never been baptized in His name? Let's do it today. We'll baptize you in the name of Jesus. What an amazing weekend it would be to to repent of your sins and to get baptized. For the rest of your life, you would always remember the time. I'll never forget when I watched an online message, drove to a nearby church, repented of your sins. And I'll I'll, I'll even say, we're not going to limit this. If you're watching from another state, and you say, oh, I wish that we lived closer to you. Inbox us right now and if you are saying I want to be baptized I want to have my sins washed away I want to cause a party in heaven with God and the angels. Inbox us right now and as soon as I'm done preaching I will get on that messenger inbox and I will find you a church near you that baptizes in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins. You don't have to come here. I will track someone down who will do that for you. You will never forget, oh, I watched an online message, drove to a nearby church, repented of my sins, were baptized in Jesus' name. God filled me with his spirit, and it was all on Easter Sunday during a global pandemic when we were social distancing, but I just felt something that I couldn't wait another moment. But here's the thing, as I already try to bring this around to a close. As I prepared for this message, yes, I want to baptize you if you need to be baptized. Yes, I want to see you repent of your sins. Yeah, I want to see that party in heaven. But as I prepared for this message, I just felt God strongly give me in my spirit that I, it just every time I kept praying and preparing this and studying. And God was speaking that there was going to be at least one person who would be watching this live stream. And you're holding on to one mistake. Right now, as I'm talking, you're literally going to the fact, I keep tripping over this. I did this. You don't understand. This is a part of my past. I just did it yesterday. That there's there's one thing that just keeps getting you. And you're holding on to that. And you're clinging to that. You feel like you've messed up. And you know what? You have. So have I. You know that that one major thing, you just, you can't seem to forgive yourself. And you're you're even uncertain if God can forgive you. Because that one thing, that power of that one thing that just keeps you in bondage and holds you down. Maybe... You feel a bit like the Samaritan woman, and honestly, she went to the well in the afternoon, the hottest time of the day, just to avoid people because her reputation was so bad. And she said, "I don't, I don't even." And so when she sees Jesus sitting there, and oh, he's he's a Jewish man; he's not going to talk to me. And it would be says, "Hey, how's your husband doing?" The man I'm living with isn't my husband. Yeah, you said right. You've actually, you've you've had a couple of husbands. and, And he starts telling her about her past. All of the things that she was trying to hide, Jesus exposes them. But he doesn't respond the way she thought he would respond. She doesn't respond the way, unfortunately, some people even in churches do. Are you kidding me? You did that, that's, man, it's messed up. No, no, no. Jesus doesn't cut off the conversation. He takes the conversation deeper. Jesus wants to expose the things that you're trying to hide, including that one big thing that just you can't seem to let go of. He says, let's have a conversation about that. I want to expose the things that you're trying to hide. But not in an effort to make you, to belittle you, in an effort to free you from those things. And for some, you've avoided coming back to church, coming to church, repenting, because, oh, there's that one thing. And everybody knows, and people know me, and I've been gone, so I don't know how how, how people would receive me. Maybe you're more like the prodigal son, and you've walked away from the father's house. You've been living a life that you know would not please the father, and so you say, I don't even think I can come back. I think I have to stay away from the father's house. Maybe you're like the lost sheep, and you know you're lost. You don't know what to do, and you're just praying and hoping somehow that the shepherd's going to come and find you, but you have no plan on how to get back to the flock. You're just kind of lost. You're out there wandering that for, for each of you, there might be a different circumstance, but I believe that God's just laying on my heart to tell you that he sees the power and the value of one. One. It might sound cliche, but it's so true. It's so true. If, if you were the only human being on the face of the earth, it's so cliche, I hate to say it, but it's true. He would have come and God would have taken on flesh. And he would have stood before Pilate and he would have went through the beating. He would have went through the humiliation. He would have went through the beard getting plucked out and the cat of nine tails ripping through his skin. He would have went through the crown of thorns being pierced through his skull and into his brain that caused such sensational pain that would have been agonizing. He would have went through the blood running down the old rugged cross and down that hill. He would have went through all of it for that one thing that you're hanging on to. For one person's, one sin, that you just can't seem to let go. And so you're avoiding repentance. You're avoiding the baptismal. You're avoiding getting involved with the church. You're avoiding coming around because, oh, man, you don't know my my, my past, what I've done. I've done this. I've done it many times. I just recently did it again. And so I just, ah, I just, I just, I got to stay away. But God's saying, I would have taken on flesh. Just to save you. Just to empower you to make one choice. Why? Because one weekend, what we're celebrating, what we're remembering today. One weekend changed the story of the entire world. Without that one weekend, we're all in trouble. The Bible says... Our righteousness is as filthy rags. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin are death. That leaves us zero hope. Every single one of us, we have no hope. But then Jesus comes on the scene. And Acts 20, 28 tells us God purchased us with his own blood. God's a spirit. He doesn't have blood. But he took on blood when he became a human being. That wasn't a co-equal, co-eternal God. That was God taking on flesh so he could have blood to shed on a cross. And he did that so we could have one choice. You see, one Savior chose to go to one cross, be buried in one tomb. But one morning, one morning, they came to that tomb, and it was gone. He was gone. Oh, somebody stole the body. No, 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 no No one stole the body. My plan all along was to go through this to pay a price that you were supposed to pay. That one thing that you think you have to pay for, it has already been paid for. So that would be like going in to Walmart and saying, I would like to buy a gallon of milk. Here's my money. And you take the gallon of milk and walk out. And come back in and say, I'd like to buy this gallon of milk. And give them more money and walk out. And come back and say, I'd like to buy this gallon of milk. And give them money and walk out. And uh, you get the point? I'd like to buy this gallon of milk. At some point, a cashier would say, what in the world is wrong with you? What are you thinking? Why do you keep paying for something That has already been purchased. And so whatever you're carrying right now, he went to that cross so you don't have to buy the milk 12 times, so to speak. He went to the cross to pay for the things that you think you have to pay for over and over again. It's just a matter of what. What will you do with this? What will you do with what he did? You see, one decision to repent and to turn to God not only gives them a party, but it changes your life forever. One short drive to a baptismal tank where someone can pray with you and say, have you repented of your sins? I baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission, for that removal, that cancellation of every one of those sins, all the sins that he paid the price for, that one day on that one cross, on that one weekend when he rose on that one morning, and he reversed the curse of that one sin that was brought into the world. I baptize you in that life-changing, life-saving name. And it's because of the blood of Calvary that all of those sins that you have been carrying can now be washed away in Jesus' name. And you know what? Then he, will, he, he wants to put his spirit inside of you just as what happens throughout the book of Acts. But what does this lead us to? As the singers the musicians come back up it leads you to one decision. See, the Greek word metaneo for repentance literally means an about face. It's a a decision. It's a change in thinking. So if you're sitting there and say, well, I'm not really feeling anything, even if you weren't feeling anything right now, your life is changed by the way you think. And so... If you're watching right now and you have never repented of your sins, one cross, one Savior on one weekend, one morning, one burial, one resurrection has come to this moment and it's given you one choice, the power of one, one It's more powerful than one basketball shot, one golf swing, one encouraging teacher, one QT. It's more powerful than any of those one things. One savior, one cross, one weekend changed everything. So that you could sit and watch an online service one Easter Sunday morning and be faced with one decision. And if you have never repented of your sins. You don't have to repeat a certain thing. Well, I don't know where to start. Listen, you like people to be genuine. You don't want them to read a card off, off a card when they talk to you. When you talk to your Savior, begin to talk to Him about the things that you've been carrying. Be honest. God, I feel like I've, I've, I've messed up so many times. I've messed up this one big time. And I don't even know if you hear me. You're going to start to feel something. You're gonna to start to feel something as you pray that prayer. Be genuine. Somebody might say, Oh, thee, God, thou art awesome. You don't need to sound like that. I don't know who sounds like that. For me, it'd be it might be, God, I'm so sorry. I spent so much time just wasting time. Lord, I I've messed up so bad and I messed up multiple times. And God, I just asking right now that your grace and your mercy that I just heard about, that you would somehow, the blood that you shed, oh, I don't need a lot of it, just one drop's powerful enough to wash away my past. God, I'm sorry, Jesus, for all of the things that I have done and said and thought, things I participated in that, God, I I never should have participated in. Lord, and some of the times it wasn't even an accident. Sometimes I made direct choices to go completely against your plan for my life. I didn't acknowledge your presence. That prodigal son, he left his father's house, took it all, and he knew exactly what he was doing. That's why when he came back, he had nowhere else to turn. He says, oh man, I don't even know if my dad will take me back, but if I go and I just beg to be a servant, maybe he'll take me back. Listen, that might be your attitude, but scripture says, come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain mercy so you can walk in not with an arrogance but with a boldness a boldness in what Oh, i'm not bold right now about all my things i've done no what your boldness is and not in yourself the boldness is not the goodness of your past. The boldness is that the cross of Calvary is strong enough as it says in the Bible. That the blood of Calvary is just as strong as I read about in the Bible. So with that confidence, I'm going to come before my Lord and Savior. That one weekend, that one cross, it changed everything. So I got one decision right now. And there's going to be power in that one decision. I'm going to pray a prayer of repentance. I, I believe right now that right now if you pray with me, you can begin to repent of your sins in your house. I'm telling you, you can begin to raise your voice, put your hands in the air as a form of surrender. And begin to pray and cry out to God. After you've repented, I believe that God will fill you with his spirit. Acts, the book of Acts talks about receiving the gift of the spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. You're going to begin to speak sound. And in a language that you've never spoken, you might be like, this sounds nuts. It's crazy. Listen, it's supernatural because God wants to prove himself to you this morning so that when you hit stop on this live stream, you're going to walk away a changed person and say, wow, that was something supernatural, something powerful. So if you've never repented, begin right now to just begin with a prayer of repentance. God, forgive me. God, help me, Lord. Jesus, I want to be clean. I want to be set free. I want to be washed in the blood. I want to be baptized in your name, God. If you want His Spirit, raise your hands right now and begin to say, God, I desire to have your Spirit in my life. I believe right now, if you begin to raise your voice, you're going to begin to speak sounds you've never spoken before. God's going to fill you with His Spirit right now. If you already have that, I'm telling you, let your kids, let your family hear you and begin to speak in tongues, begin to pray, begin to seek God right now. Watch what God can do right in your living room. Watch what God can do right now. Just make that one decision to respond. Make that one decision to worship right now. Make that one decision to pray right now. God, he, He did all one week and it changed everything to give you, to bring you to this one moment, to make this one decision right now.